Hello, and welcome to the Beauty Biz Show. Today, my guest, our guest, is Ashley Cortez, and she's the founder of the Stay Beautiful Foundation. And this is a nonprofit organization that delivers free monthly boxes of clean beauty and self-care products to women affected by cancer. Now, Ashley is a, a millennial. She, she told me she's a millennial, <laughs> but it has to be an old soul, has to be an old soul because her mission, her hustle, the way she is giving back to this world is so absolutely incredible. I can't wait for you to listen into the show. I had so much admiration for what she's doing. She, I told her she gave me the goosebumps like five or six times during the conversation because of how she's just showing up in this world. And my gosh, we all need a dose of this right now. So enjoy the show and head over to her website. And if you're feeling like you're inspired to give to her foundation, then, oh my gosh, what a beautiful thing to do. So stay tuned. Enjoy the show. You guys, I know you're going to love it. Hello, and welcome to the Beauty Biz Show. I'm your host, Lori Crete. I'm a licensed esthetician, spa owner, industry consultant, speaker, and journalist, and the founder of the Beauty Biz Club, which is the only professional success-based society designed to dramatically up your bookings, increase your profits, and provide you with industry-specific resources that are needed to succeed. If you'd like to know more about how you can become a member of the Beauty Biz Club, please visit beautybizclub.com. Now I invite you to join me as I feature inspirational messages from industry gurus and practical tips to tap into your best success. Stay tuned for some serious Beauty Biz entertainment. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Beauty Biz Show. I'm your host, Lori Crete. Really excited about today's guest. Our guest is Ashley Cortez, and she is the founder of Stay Beautiful Foundation. Ashley, what a cool day that we get to meet on. We're recording this on International Women's Day, right? Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Lori. So excited to chat with you today. It's not very often that I have somebody on the podcast that I haven't had a conversation with before. So I'm really excited when your bio came into my inbox. I go, this is a gal I want to talk to. Thank you so much. I mean, the work that we do at the Stay Beautiful Foundation, I'm excited to share with you because at the Beauty Biz Show, we talk a lot about beauty and what that means, especially as women are undergoing cancer treatment. So excited to be here today and chat about what we do. Well, we have a lot in common, and I think this is such a great place to start the show and to start our conversation today. First of all, I am an oncology certified esthetician because I saw how my clients were dealing with with that part of cancer treatment. So you and I have that in common. You witnessed this with a family member. Yeah. And it was a little bit different. So my family member was my grandmother, who I always have kind of behind me in my Zoom calls. For those of you that can't see, she's in a picture behind me. I feel like she's always with me. But my grandmother was the entrepreneur of a spa in Chicago. And during her cancer diagnosis, when she was at the hospital, she would say things like, 
I need my, you know, my quality grade spa products. <laughs> and she was like, you know, I, I, I can't do the, the hospital products. She's like, I, I need my products. And so not even more so makeup, but just the, the items that she felt, you know, she needed to moisturize her skin with to feel refreshed. And so I would bring some of those products from the spa. She'd give me a big laundry list. And then we would just kind of bond over beauty whether that be kind of giving her like a facial mask treatment as much as we could, right, when she's bedridden, or, you know, maybe just like giving her some hand massages. So those were kind of the ways that we bonded over beauty. And, you know, once she passed, I said, I want every woman who is undergoing cancer treatments to feel beautiful, even if they don't have access to spa products. So once she passed away, I wanted to put beauty products that would make women feel beautiful from the inside out in their hands and just kind of have it as a pick me up and just a little piece of joy. As you know, working probably with so many women in as as an oncologist esthetician, it's tough. It's tough hearing the words you have cancer. It's tough with so many side effects. So yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the view I saw through my grandmother who was very much of a diva, if you will. Well I actually that was the second thing we have in common. I was so close to my grandmother. So close to her. So how old were you when you were gathering up her beauty products and bringing them to the hospital for her? So I was a junior in college. So sophomore, junior year in college, I went to college at University of Missouri, but my grandmother actually was here in Chicago at Northwestern. So I would drive, you know, weekends back and forth just to see my Nana, or if there were some online classes I could take to make it work, I would always stay with her. And, and just a side note here, I always love to say this. So my forward focus I've had since, you know, my grandmother was going through this. And I remember driving back and forth and having so many memories of college and bringing her these products. And now I still have that forward focus today. And it's like a piece of me. And that's how I deliver my beauty boxes, whether I'm going to our storage warehouse or going to the post office. And I, we're almost at 200,000 miles, which is super crazy. But, but like, I just don't want to give this forward away. It's just like, it's a part of me and I just, I just love it. So anyway, I was in college and I would commute to see my grandmother. So I have a question. What does we have 200,000 miles mean when you say on that? My you car, say- we are almost at, I am almost oh. at 200,000 miles on my car because I would drive back and forth to see my grandmother during college. I got this car during college and I would drive back and forth to see her. And now I'm driving all over, you know, shipping boxes or going to different hospital events and dropping them off. And my Ford Focus is just, it's really been with me. I call her name is Fergie and she's been with me throughout this whole entire process, like driving back and forth to see my grandmother. <laughs> so I want to ask you before we dive into what you're doing today, I like to know somebody's history because I think that's such a, and like you said, you carry it with you. That's an important element of why you do what you do. Tell me about your grandmother's spa. What do you remember about it? So I remember it had, it was called My Spa, but it was spelled M-I-S-P-A. And it had a very Egyptian kind of African theme to it. It was very calming. I always remember if I can close my eyes, I can like remember the the smell and like just the vibe that it brought. It was very calming. She always had on like, you know, the typical spa music and lots of candles. So in my home, I have lots of candles, lots of plants and candles, but my grandmother would have just tea light candles over like that would light up the entire spa. And it, it was a probably like maybe a 10 to 15 room spa. And it overlooked Michigan Avenue in the South Loop kind of downtown area in Chicago. And it had this big, big window. 
And that's where like the, the manicure room is. So as people would get their manicures, they'd be able to look out over like the Michigan Avenue. So those are the things I remember, just really, really beautiful views, very calming sense, a lot of smiles, just a lot of like, a lot of just beauty and a lot of beautiful moments. Do you remember, was she still working when she got sick? Yeah, she was still working when she got sick, Lori. And, um, you know, I'll never forget the time when I, you know, we all had to kind of pitch in and help out my grandmother, you know, as she was, it was a family business at that point, right? Like we had to help her as she was undergoing her cancer treatments. And she hadn't been there in a while, but she kind of went to go check in on a few contractors and such and some of her clients and employees. And as she walked in, the security guard stopped her and said, excuse me, ma'am, like this, you know, this is like, do you have an appointment? This is kind of like private property. I think it was a time like where maybe it was like after hours. And she said, I'm your boss. Like, and she had looked so different. Lori, she had lost so much weight. Her skin had looked discolored, different that even her security guard like stopped her before entering in her spot because he didn't even notice her. And so she was working but it was tough, like on top of having a cancer diagnosis, running a business, being a woman, living her life. And then to like, you know, especially my, my grandmother, I'm, I'm a woman of color. For those of you who can't see me on the podcast, and my grandmother was a woman of color. So it is very, very difficult for a woman of color to just be an entrepreneur in Chicago, on Michigan Avenue, have a spa, be flourishing. And, and then to feel like, Beauty is such a big part of that. And to have cancer take that away where people don't even recognize you. That's the one part I remember about her still working in the spa. That's one of the last memories that also ignites a fire in me to continue to provide beauty boxes to women. Let me, what year did she start her spa? Do you know? I was a very, very young girl. I want to say maybe, oh, very, very long time ago because she passed in, let's see. She started maybe probably 2008, but I, I was like a very, very young girl because when she passed in, you know, 2015, I was in, I was a junior in college. So I remember just the spa as I was growing up, right? And like, you have no, as a little kid, you're like, I just go in and I like the candles or I like clean up the trash and then I get free manicures, right? Like I didn't really know, <laughs> I didn't really know a lot of the logistics of the spa. I was like, you know, I didn't really get like probably the true facials at the time. I was probably like nine, 10, right? And they were probably like, okay, let's put a little lotion here. There you go. Um, yeah. But yeah, probably ar around that time, like 2008. And um, she had it for quite some time. And I I was just always admired her tenacity to just always, always, always like make people feel beautiful when they came into her spa. I want to go back because, you know, it's one of these topics that I want to learn more about, but it's so sensitive right now. And I feel like this is a good platform. When you say, share as much as you can, as much as you feel comfortable with, yeah. she was a woman of color and that was difficult. Do you remember a specific challenge that she shared with you that she, she dealt with? Yeah, I, I remember, um, Again, very, very young, but I remember my grandmother was trying to expand the spa in different places. So she had her like brick and mortar, if you will, right? The the one I'm referencing, but she wanted to expand. She wanted to have an express spa in the Hyatt or in O'Hare or in, she eventually got a smaller spa in the McCormick place, but which for those of you who are in Chicago, just like, you know, kind of your convention center type places, because she loved being able to you know, give women on the go or men on the go kind of like their beauty go-to needs. Like, you know, her, her space was very niche for like 
business people. And, and I do remember, I do recall very, very being a very young girl again, her trying to, you know, compete with some of these larger corporations, some of these larger spas, and she's black owned business, you know, minority, maybe doesn't have as connection of network with people who are in these places that are on leadership and executive boards at the Hyatt or who are on executive boards at O'Hare Airport, which is one of the biggest airports in the world, right? So it's like, you know, maybe lack of connections often or not having the resources or support or network. You know, she never got that space in O'Hare, but I, I wish she would have. And I know today now there are some more actually black owned brands that are in that airport today. And I think it was recognized by them to have more diversity. So I'm happy to see that now. But that, that's just one thing is she wanted to expand and grow and scale, not having those resources as a woman of color. I feel like she had a lot against her, right? Being a woman of color, but also as a beauty entrepreneur, we're not always taken seriously as like true entrepreneurs, as a true profession. So that's, that's interesting. And, you know, this is something I've been aware of for a long time. I was a flight attendant before I became an esthetician and I had a, a friend, she was a woman of color. And one day we were sitting on the airplane, we were working together and I've never talked about this on the podcast before, but I think it's important to share. And she said, will you go with me to get my oil changed? And I grew up on a card lot. I'm like, why? And she's like, because I'm black and they treat me differently. Yep. And that had never entered my mind before, but it was a beautiful bit of education for me. And as we're talking about this on International Women's Day, I think it's a good time to share this because I'm like, hell yeah, I'm showing up for you, whatever you need. If you want, I can talk car lingo. I grew up a lot, yeah. but we just don't realize what, what we face sometimes. So thank you for that share. And thanks for sharing so much about your grandma, yeah. because I know it. No, I was just saying, thank you for, for allowing me the space to do so. Yeah, I think we need to be open and honest. And I, I never know. I, I'm scared it's going to be a sensitive topic, but I do. I'm, I'm curious to learn from, from other people who have watched it and seen the history of it unfold. Yeah. I want to know, did your grandmother influence the first job that you ever had? And if so, how and what was it? She did not. My first job was... She definitely did not. I had some friends that were working at Hollister and like the, the Hollister and the Abercrombies of the world, right? In the mall. And I was like, I want my first job. And I no longer want to, you know, work at the spa for my Nana because it, it just doesn't, at the time, it's silly. I would totally work there now forever. But, you know, at the time, I'm like, I want a real job. Like my friends were like going to real jobs, you know, not just like the family business. So I got a real job at Hollister where I had to wear flip-flops and a flannel and jeans and it, you know, smelled like lots of cologne, which was always, you know, interesting and lots of perfume in there. Um, and it was dark and played loud music. So that was like my very first experience as a job in retail. But what I do think influenced me kind of for my grandmother was just like her hustler, like ambition, like, you know what, I'm going to go out and get a job and I'm going to, you know, schedule my own time and like make this money. So I, I think in a way going out and getting a job like her hustler just like ambition or kind of like rubbed off on me for sure. But no, she had no or no like persuasion of me working in retail. <laughs> I've always felt like if you worked at Hollister or Abercrombie, because of the smells, the sounds, everything, the environment, you have to be an extrovert. Would you consider yourself to be an extrovert? <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Yes, I would consider myself an extrovert. I mean, you're not only you have to talk a lot, but you're talking loud, right? You're screaming over this yes. loud. Um, Everything's and- loud. Like even the smells are loud in there. So, you know, I could stay in there for 10 minutes. I'm such an introvert. I am perfect in my small dark room as an esthetician. <laughs> it's yeah, where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> I mean, so yeah. at, at like the front, I remember like you'd have to stand at the front and you'd have to like, actually like kind of scream to people like, Hey, come on in. Like, you know, like that was true retail, but it's crazy how now, like I rarely go into the mall. Online shopping has changed the game today. But Well, so I know, and the malls used to be the place to go, right? If you're having a bad day, you went to the mall. If you wanted to meet your girlfriend for a coffee, you went to the mall. And now all of a sudden it's like a ghost town at malls. It kind of makes me sad. Yeah. So tell me, Where'd you go from there? What job was next? Or what did you study in college? Yeah, so I studied uh, communications and then I minored in business. I wanted to go to be a journalist, but that didn't really work out. The journalism classes were extremely, extremely expensive. You had to have like a lot of um, just a lot of equipment like cameras, ring lights, things that, you know, are very more accessible now, now that there's a world of YouTube out here. But at the time was more expensive and I was putting myself through college. So I actually worked at Hollister. Then I flipped over to Victoria's Secret, which I love working at Victoria's Secret because I think that allowed me to like interact with women and like in a very, I would say intimate, vulnerable way, right? Like you, you think, yeah. of, you know, you're just going into Victoria's Secret, but like, no, you're picking out someone's underwear for them. You're, you're helping someone's husband, you know, find that perfect gift. That was a really cool job. And then I worked at the financial aid office at University of Missouri, where I went to school, and I studied communications and minored in business. Like I said, I put myself through college, so it was kind of tough, you know, trying to afford college. But again, that that hustler ambition that my grandmother gives me, I remember like going to the financial aid office and being like, I don't have enough money to like enroll here, but I'm here and I want to stay. And they were like, um, okay, but I would go so often that they were like, why don't you just work here? And I worked there over the summer and I actually, they gave me a full ride from there because- Oh my gosh, that's so yeah, cool. So yeah, that's kind of like my, my college story. And then graduating, graduating, I, I it was really interesting because my grandmother passed and I remember, I remember leaving home like the last time before driving back in my Ford Focus. I have so many memories. If I, if Ford ever like reaches out to me, I'd be like the best customer. <laughs> like literally my car has like been through so much. But I, I drove back and I remember leaving my Nana's house. I call her my Nana. And I like kind of cried a little bit because I'm like, man, like I'm going down to college this one last time and I'm not going to be able to, like, she's not going to see me walk across the stage. And she usually, even though she was sick, like those last years of me leaving and going back to college, she'd kind of like wave from like the porch as I was like kind of driving away. You know how grandmas do, they come out and say bye. And um, I just felt like I, I was just, I was in communications, I was minoring in business and and I probably would have went into something that I really loved, but I started working at a job like in the energy industry, but just, it was cool. It was safe. I, I graduated and I was like, my grandmother want me to have a good job, good job. Stable. It's stable, but I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy at all. I mean, I, I was grateful for the opportunity, but it just wasn't me. Like it was like, you know, like you said, I was an extrovert at Hollister and to be a business analyst at an energy company sitting on a computer in Excel spreadsheets was, was not my jam. But um, I actually found the idea for Stay Beautiful when I was at that job. 
I was not really happy. I didn't really know kind of what I wanted to do. I was like, I'm just doing the right thing that would make my Nana proud. But it wasn't, I think what would make my Nana proud was just kind of following my heart. And so I was walking with my mom on Lake Michigan and we were just like kind of joking about how, you know, I was like, Nana was such a diva. She'd be like, no, bring me this, bring me this. And we kind of just joked about it. And then that's when I was like, every woman, like, I'm like, I can't believe that's not a resource. Like, you know, doctors come in and they prescribe for the disease. But what about the soul of the woman? That is such a huge, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking, I'm speaking to like the choir here because you studied in this as an esthetician and I'm just looking from the outside in connected through a family member. And that's when I was like, that's when the light bulb went off. That's when I was like, I want every woman to have a little bit of that joy going through some of the ugliest days of their life. They deserve that beauty. So that's kind of, I guess, kind of from like a dark place of kind of like kind of feeling confused, not really knowing where I was going kind of brought this idea and this passion inside of me. And since then, you know, I've started putting boxes together and that was like, I had like 20, you know, friends and family that I would deliver them to. And now we have almost 500 subscribers. So we have grown tremendously. And I'm that's, just, yeah. you said something <laughs> that gave me the chills and it needs to be part of your mission or your tagline. I just taught a class on this. So it's fresh in my head, but oh my gosh, gifting and treating the soul. That's what you do because you do go through this weird, I mean, I'm not a cancer survivor, but I've had conversations like deep, intimate, emotional conversations with enough people that are, are struggling with it where you go through an identity crisis. You don't know who you are. You don't look the same. So that is a gift and and a, a way of treating the soul. That's so amazing. And what you've done is what so many people say they want to do or they're going to do and they never do. They never turn that, I should do this into I must do this. So how do you start a foundation? How do you, how do you, let's start there. Like, oh my gosh, you're walking with your mom and the next thing you know, you got a foundation, which everybody says they're going to do or want to do and they don't. So inspire us today on International Women's Day. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's, it's no, it's no easy feat. I mean, it, you know, it, it was a lot of fear, a lot of fear, like, Okay, a nonprofit. Like what I know nonprofits to be is the Susan G. Coleman's of the world, right? The big dogs, the big leads. Like that's what I know. And and I just started to research Google. <laughs> I started to research. I'm, you know, and I was like, how can I start a nonprofit? And I started, you know, reaching out to people that I knew who maybe were accountants for nonprofits or did work for nonprofits. And I would just talk to them. And I started to kind of put together our mission statement. I started to YouTube and and really just like dig down to kind of the bare bones, our mission, what's our objective, what's our vision. And I wrote that out and, you know, I applied and it came back approved. And I was like, wow, this is real. Okay, here we go. And from there, you know, I started to create this community. When I, when, you know, we think about having a passion, you can't do it alone. Like, you know, especially if you're having a passion to give back, it's to be shared with others for others. And um, from there, I kind of just, you know, I did the research. I made sure that all of my T's were crossed and all my I's were dotted. And then from there, I just started to pour into the community. And there has been a lot of, oh, learn, learning things along the way. Like, oh, didn't know that, you know, but, but that, I think that's the part of the journey. So you create this business plan that you actually is an application for a nonprofit license. Is that how you start a foundation? Yeah. That's like the beginning. Yeah. So the beginning is actually applying. It's kind of twofold. So you have to apply with the government through the IRS so that you are a charitable donation for tax purposes. And then you also have to make sure that you're aligned with your state. 
because each state has different requirements. I always tell myself I need to do a YouTube on this, but each state is different, but essentially just making sure that you're aligned with the federal government and then the state and then doing like, you know, checks and balances that you would with the regular business, right? Like opening up the proper business accounts, getting a QuickBooks uh, account, making sure that you're staying on top of that. Um, There's some other things within the nonprofit space that are a little bit more tricky, but the great thing about the state of Illinois and probably for others as well is there's some great resources out there for these small nonprofits that want to change the world, which is great. So when I went to like apply for the business license at one of our city of Chicago locations, there was a guy there that's like, you need this, you need this, let me help you with this. And like, that's, that's the part that makes me keep going. The people that see me and then they're like, keep going, keep going. You know, you'll, you'll find people when you do God's work, when you do good work, the work of the people, I think there'll always be good people to help you get to where you want to go. Oh my gosh, we're sent, I call them business angels, right? Like when you step into your mission and you start to do purposeful, soul-driven work, you're gifted angels that help you. I love that term. I'm going to, can I steal that? I of really course. That <laughs> business angels, so many. Tell everybody now, like what you put together, give them like a brief summary of what you do. And then I want to go back and talk about your first box that you ever sent out because I'm sure it looks very different now, how it evolved. So what exactly do you do? And then let's talk about the evolution of the business. Yeah. So the Stay Beautiful Foundation is a nonprofit organization that delivers all natural or clean beauty products to women who are undergoing cancer treatments or have been affected by cancer. We do this by reaching out to brands that we believe are transparent in their ingredients and align with some of our mission and values. From there, they donate products. And most of the time, it's like, for instance, this month, Dashing Diva is a press on nail company, which is great for women who have chemo nails. And so they are going to be an exclusive box sponsor. So every month we try to find either a couple, curate a couple products that'll work for our beauties or have a brand do an exclusive box, which is really cool. And then we deliver it to them. And then from there, we continue to engage with them on our community pages like Facebook, Instagram, and so forth. And every month we try to create something new and provide that to them. My first box was a box that I got from the container store. So I I was very, very, I was very, very set on my box because I was like, this is not, you know, your normal Amazon box, like, you know, the the cardboard box. Now I feel like Amazon does a lot of pad. I buy too many things on Amazon, but now I feel like it's kind of the envelope that they're sending. But remember, like Amazon probably still does it. The boxes that are corrugated, they have like kind of sometimes they can kind of shed a little bit of that cardboard. And I was like, no, my beauties, I call them beauties. That's like a part of our lingo. Our beauties will not, you know, be inhaling anything. Like I was super particular. I was like, no. So it has to be like a very, I have a box here, like a very rigid kind of plastic luxury box, right? Something like a very, very special box. And it has to have a magnetic closure. Well, I, wait, I saw them on your website. Just give your website a shout out now because people are going to get curious. Yes. What's your website? Uh, TheSaveBeautifulFoundation.org. Yep. So you have a magnetic closure, a beautiful box. Yes. And I was so set on that. And, um, you know, I, I would put my sticker. I would have a logo, which we've changed now, but I would put a sticker on there. And then I would have tissue paper that actually had our logo on it at the time and then would put products in it. And I would... Back then, I didn't get these big donors that want to do exclusive boxes, right? I would go to Target and I would like be looking at the ingredients. And I've learned a lot. Like as you know, I've worked with a lot of other oncologists, estheticians as well. And some are like, 
you know, may not have been the cleanest, but we're evolving and we're growing. And I tried to find the cleanest products that I could get my hands on at the time. And now it's great that I have a platform that I could reach out to brands who are transparent in their ingredients. But, you know, I, I would get things like Shea Moisture, something that I knew was like pretty natural and I could find a target. Honest Beauty, Jessica Alba does a great job with a lot of her products and making sure that they are just doesn't don't have a lot of stuff in them. Like sometimes it's just it's got to be simple, like something that's simple that won't irritate our beauties. And I'd put them well, in there I know too, like smells, things smell different when you're, you're sensitive because of treatment. So that's yeah. something else that people don't think about. We try to do a lot of smells that are pretty like neutral. And then another thing I always like to bring up, you'll probably be mortified if you hear this story, <laughs> literally. So when my grandmother was at Northwestern, they had a program called look good, feel good. And um, yeah, that's still around, I believe. And she was going through it. There was a volunteer that one time mentioned, um, well, my grandmother was like, oh, thank you. But like this color does not match my skin because they put makeup in the boxes. And the the volunteer responded, you should just be grateful that yes, somebody, somebody donated this to you. Because of that experience, I will never, ever, ever to this day until we have technology that's, you know, where we, I, until I have a technology or somehow a process where I can see what that woman looks like on the other end of our delivery box, we will not be putting products in there that aren't universal because how horrible is that experience, right? Like getting something that is not your skin color, does not flatter you. So we try to do things that are very universal as much as we can. So yes, I, I just wanted to share that story because it was something that sticks with me today, but I use it as, as kind of fuel to what we do today to make sure we're inclusive. I love it. And, and it, there's never been a better time to step forward in business that way. People are paying attention to these things. And it's really about how you make somebody else feel. Your whole mission is to make them feel cared for and beautiful. And that takes away from that. When yeah. some, so, Okay. Going back, now I know what you mean by 200,000 miles. You're literally driving and delivering these boxes. So I was I was at first. So I think a lot okay. of the miles came going back and forth from Missouri, right, to, to Chicago, like every other weekend to see my grandmother during some of her last days. But there's a lot of driving involved because the boxes that I mentioned when I started off were at the container store. So as I'm getting like big bulk boxes, maybe one store has like 10 Another store has like 20, but we're like kind of scaling. Now I have like 50 beauties. So I will go to different container store locations and actually say like, can I have 10 from this store? Can I have 20 from this store? And I will drive miles so that I can get those specific boxes. Today, now we are working with a box design company that actually designs boxes for some brands like Estee Lauder, Sephora. So they, they're within that beauty box brand space. And we're getting like, you know, our own boxes created and working with them for that. So no longer do we have to drive, but a lot of it was driving or, you know, we would get a lot of donations to our PO box. I'd be driving to the PO box, grab those, take it to the storage warehouse. We'd pack up our boxes there, then bring them back to the post office. So, you know, a lot of driving and a lot of moving parts, or oftentimes we'll deliver lots of boxes to actual hospitals in the area. So let me ask you this. How many people are on your team and how many volunteers do you normally have in the business? Yeah. So we had a lot, a lot of volunteers pre-COVID, as you can imagine. But as COVID, you know, as as COVID started to evolve, we actually stopped shipping for a little bit because 
my population, my beauties are so can be in such a vulnerable space. And yeah. I think we were all kind of confused at the beginning of the pandemic. Like, you know, what is the best way to be safe? And so until we kind of had that proper PPE and understood, you know, how long things stayed on packages, which I guess is still a question, but now it's a little bit safer and we understand a little bit more. I was just myself. Like I had to kind of shut down things and say, okay, we're not gonna, we're not gonna ship for a bit. And then it was just myself and my operations manager who were helping us like pack the boxes, put them together. So as you can imagine, before we would have packing parties. And it was really great because sponsors could get involved. So sponsors like Salesforce can have a company packing party where they will sponsor, <laughs> um, they'll sponsor actually beauty boxes and then they will actually have their employees pack them and they can write handwritten notes. And it's a really special time because a lot of people will share their stories that they've you know, been affected by this in some way and they love giving back. But it was really great when I had a hundred volunteers at a packing party once a month. And now, and now it's just myself and Tamika, our operations manager who are packing these all by herself. And um, we have pink PPE, by the way. So we have like pink gloves, we have pink booties like that we put on before we go into our storage and we have like the pink gowns and also pink masks. <laughs> well, and see, this is the thing, you know, we had to stop and reassess and pivot and shift and the truth be told, it's probably better coming from you being so concerned and knowing who this box is going to than getting it randomly in the mail. So I think it's great that you've decided to keep moving forward with it for sure. Do you have a, a story of somebody who has really touched your heart because of the beauty box? Yeah. I'll never forget the first beauty. And like, probably to this day, like I kind of get tears. I actually never met her. Her name was Ashley, actually. And she was this beautiful, beautiful soul, very, very young girl. I was, you know, I was doing research. Like I was, you know, I didn't go to oncologist esthetician training, but I knew that my grandmother loved this and I wanted to give back. And so she was like, yeah, I'd love to talk to you, you know, about, you know, what I like to use and things like that. And she was the first beauty box I'd ever given away. And, um, you know, her, her family was so touched by just that small gesture that they shared with me that she was no longer with us. And that was a huge it was a, a range of a lot of feelings because it was, oh my gosh, like I was able to be a part of something really beautiful and now it's gone. And that is the life that is, that is the industry that I, I, I'm in women who may no longer be with us. And that made me just want to, again, one of those things that just inspired me to just keep on going, keep on going. Because obviously for her family to share that with me, like, right, I'm just some girl that's like, oh, I'm just starting a nonprofit, right? I mean, this was day one. This was very, very early. I'm starting a nonprofit. I'm looking for, you know, women who would love to talk to me about what I'm doing. And, and here's a box. And oh, I liked it. And for her to share with her family how much it meant for them to reach out to a, like kind of a random stranger, I was like, every woman. And, and now I will do it for her. And I'll never forget that. It, it is rewarding and very heavy at the yeah. same time when you choose to do something like this. I just had a gal inside my business academy and she said today, uh, she has a, a cancer patient client and she's so sad. And I said, you know, you have to just be that bright light that shows up for these people. If you want to laugh with them, 
laugh with them. If you want to cry with them, cry with them. I think people just want to a space, a safe space to be. How do you pick your beauties? I mean, that seems like that may be one of the hardest parts of your mission. Yeah. So we actually, we've scaled a lot. So before it was, you know, word of mouth, someone sent me, you know, an email, let's get our beauty box. Now we actually work with our hospital partners, our nonprofit partners. And those are just nonprofits that are within the cancer space that are serving the same community that we are. In addition to our social media, you know, and then also they're all kind of pushed into our website. On our website, there is a request form where our beauties can actually fill out their information. And from there, with, you know, as long as they, you know, share, it's interesting because at first we didn't actually, we kind of just accepting everything. And then we're like, well, we may want to like learn a little bit more about our beauties and and they want to share more. And so once they, you know, submit a request in, we send a box to them. And then probably like a week or two later, we'll get thank you emails phone calls, you know, Instagram posts, you know, sharing how much they love it. So that's kind of like our current process now. I'm going to have to share with you. I don't remember her name and I wish I did. Oprah had a super soul Sunday and it was this woman who goes into war torn countries and helps the women there deal with their, their current environment. And she said the number one requested she said, what can I bring back to you? The number one requested thing that she returns with is lipstick. She said, and it was so odd when these women would start asking for that because she thought they were going to ask for water, you know? And she said, no, 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 because when you look good, it powers you up. And it's the same when you look good, you feel better. Yeah. So, and, and I love the fact that you've turned it into this nonprofit and a gift because a gift makes somebody feel better. Yeah. We do not charge for any of our boxes. I mean, you know, working with cancer patients, it's like they have so many, so many financial obligations that they're dealing with. I mean, I'm talking about from parking to go to their appointments, right? To to just paying for their medication, to paying for their hospital bills. So that is completely free to our beauties. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. Their strength and their beauty is a gift to us and to be able to have this community. So we give back to them in that way. And it's huge for our partners and sponsors also to be a part of that as well, because like we're, we're growing so much. So we are really relying on the generosity of our donors to help us continue to give the boxes for free. Okay. I'm going to ask you, and I did not send these in our pre-show question. So it's going to be a little impromptu here. No worries. Business goals. Where do you see yourself in 10 years with this company? And you can dream big on this show. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, the first thing that always comes to mind, I, I'm only about five minutes away from my grandmother's spot where it was. It is still vacant actually today. And my goal is to actually reopen the spot as the State Beautiful headquarters to actually have it back within the family. Because, you know, once she passed, we weren't able to keep the spa alive. It was like, you know, her business, her mission, and we weren't able to do that. And so to honor her, I'd I'd love to have our headquarters opened up there. You know, secondly, what I'd like to do is really, really hone in on that piece of community and go beyond the box. The box is the first step of what we do, right? The box is that first piece of you're here, you're supported, we're here for you, you're not alone. But then to go beyond that and to create a community of all these women, now they also become friends. Like we have a TikTok now and they're all like reposting each other's TikTok, right? But to have a space where our beauties can actually 
share things that they love, share things that they didn't work, share scents that they hate and have someone be like, yes, I hate that scent too. So right now we're actually working on kind of creating this online platform where our beauties can come together and kind of share that and share just kind of what it's like to be a woman who is having, you know, who has cancer. So that that's one big piece on our roadmap is really just innovation and bringing our community together. Hopefully when the world opens back up, we can have them in person, like actually meet and have some events. And then I think another large goal of ours is to honestly, one thing that I think of is to be able to, you know, we're starting to have to consider a wait list for our beauties. And so I want to be able to have, you know, the bandwidth to be able to every beauty that requests a beauty box does not have to be on a wait list, does not have to wait. We're at 500 right now, but we're kind of looking at that space where we're like, oh my goodness. So to have someone like the Ulta's of the world or the Sephora's of the world who have enough product to be able to fulfill all of our requests and to have strategic partnerships like that would be amazing for us. So 10 years from now, I think more strategic partnerships to allow us to continue to give the gift of beauty without having to worry about do we have enough product creating that community? Because that's really what our foundation is built on. And do you take donations as far as like, I don't know how really know how a nonprofit works. Like if somebody wants to donate listening to the show, is that something that you can do as a nonprofit except donations? Yeah, of course. So if you go to our website, the savebeautifulfoundation.org slash donate, or if you just go to savebeautifulfoundation.org, the first thing is donate because as nonprofit, everything is from a donation. So we rely heavily on those. You can actually sponsor a beauty for a year, six months, one month, two months. So there's different versions. You can also even gift in honor of someone. So say for instance, there is someone who you may have lost and you want to gift in honor of someone, you can totally do that. And then lastly, you can set up recurring donations. So if you want to donate, you know, every month, $50 to make sure, you know, one of those beauties have those boxes, that's a great way. So in addition to our larger partnerships with some of our bigger brands, we also rely on generous donations like of people like you and me. I'm going to give you... Well, first of all, that's incredible. And honestly, I've been looking for a board to sit on. So if you ever do something like that, or you have the space, I would love to contribute to your mission. So let me know with that. But I'm going to give you a tip. And I love giving tips to people that I know are going to hustle and listen to me and benefit from it. And I know that's you. So there's something called Brand Week. It is incredible. And Ad Week. And literally, it's small, it's intimate. But you can go talk to the people who are in charge of these things at Sephora, at Ulta, at CVS, all these companies. And their mission the last time I went was surrounding exactly what you're doing. Really? Yes, yes. Look at some of CVS, some of their ad campaigns for women who are you know, are dealing with cancer treatment right now. But that you have to find your seat at Brand Week next year. And I think it'll probably be back in person where you can literally from like three feet in front of you, you have access to these people. You can have lunch with them. They speak and then they're all over the event. They have breakout rooms. Okay, Lori, do you believe in like the power of the universe? Because I feel like if I say it now, maybe it'll come true. So I'm just put it out here now. I will be at Ad Week. (laughs) (laughs) I will be at Ad Week making relationships in whatever capacity that is. If uh, I, you know, hopefully I'll have a seat at the table, but if I have to be a volunteer... I'll be a volunteer passing out water if I get a chance to be around some of those top executives who can learn about how they can impact 
women who are fighting for their lives. Yeah. It's all the chief executive officers of, of like marketing, the chief marketing, whatever you'll be there. It's a few thousand dollars and it's a, anyone can go, you just sign up for it. So, all right. Awesome. You'll have to, you'll have to let me know what you take away, but go ahead on their website now and, and look at it and, and just start mapping it out in your head. (laughs) You have some time before we have in-person meetups again. So yeah. As we wrap up our show today, and I've really enjoyed talking to you, you gave me the goosebumps a few times and I haven't felt that in a long time. I think I've been numb since 2020. So thank you for reigniting some emotion in me. Give some success tips to people listening in, beauty entrepreneurs, people who may want to start a foundation, people who want to donate. What what advice do you have for those ears that are listening in? Yeah, I think for... For anyone that wants to follow their passion in beauty, an entrepreneur, and that thing that you've always wanted to start, I think just start and find your tribe. This could not be done alone. My my mother, my boyfriend, my friends, I mean, they hear about Save Beautiful all day long. <laughs> I mean, at two o'clock in the morning, I have an idea and I'm just like, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, I have this idea about Say Beautiful. Look, I think we should do the boxes this way. No, I think we should do it this way. Like, you know what? I I think we should do this type of box. Like, hear me out here. Like, let's do this video. Find your tribe. You need people that, that clap for you whenever, whatever, for whatever you're doing, right? To be with you through the highs, through the lows. I think, especially now, like, you know, we are isolated in our homes. I mean, we're coming out, right? Slowly, I feel like we're like this you know, caterpillar coming, like turning into a butterfly as we, you know, everyone gets vaccinated and we're able to travel a little bit more, but how important it is to have a tribe, a community to be there for you, to continue to push you. Cause being an entrepreneur, Lori, it's tough. I don't know. <laughs> it's tough. Like you, you, you literally, you got to get up and grind every single day, find your tribe, follow your passion for people that want to donate, head over to the save beautiful foundation.org, donate, share it, you know, share Share your giving with other people. Share that you're doing that. There's a link where you can actually tweet that you've donated. You can put it on Facebook, Instagram. So please do that. I think I think in the world, there has to definitely be more goodness. And unfortunately, a lot of us are affected by cancer. So sharing that could make someone's day. And anyone else that's listening, I think I, I, think I got it all, right? The people who want to start a business, people who want to donate. Did I miss anyone? No, I don't. I mean, those are, it's true. You need to surround yourself with people who are going to lift you up. So I appreciate that share. And then I want to ask you one more question about business because you're much younger than I am. And I'm curious, and you're probably the girl that could answer this for me. Is TikTok beneficial to have a TikTok account to your business? Yes, it is so beneficial. Lori, I think you would be great. I think you could have a really, really cute TikTok. I really, <laughs> I've seen, I've seen like some, you know, like, oh, I know you mentioned I was younger. I've seen some older women who have like businesses and like they're flourishing on TikTok. Like we, you know, really, yes, especially with podcasts. I mean, so many of us look up to women like you who have been in the business longer, right? There's more tips and tricks that you can share. If you can do that with a cool song in a 30 to 60 second TikTok and like make us laugh or, or share something like totally do that. TikTok is really video content, right? Because when you look at TikTok, there's Instagram lives and now there's Instagram reels and there's Instagram stories and there's like IGTV. So, so Instagram is trying to like, kind of like continue that video content momentum. But honestly, Lori, video content is, is kind of where it's at. So I'm sure there's a lot of women who are in beauty, who want to start a podcast. You can share so many great tips on TikTok. 
Okay. That's something to think about. I thought, oh my gosh, do I have time to learn one more social platform? But it's pretty easy. I had a little girl come in the other day, like her first facial ever, 12, 13 years old. And she's like, oh, this burns. Oh, this hurts. I think she was scared of everything. And I go, oh, I know how to see if it really hurts or if they're just being scared. Yeah. And I said, do you want your phone and show me how you use TikTok? And she's like, oh my God, yeah. And she's texting away. And like five minutes later, I said, is it really burning? She's like, no. And this is how you do this. So it looks pretty easy. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it looks pretty easy. It is a bit of a learning curve because, you know, TikTok is for like the Gen Zs. I am a millennial. I'm not that young. So it it was a little tough. Not going to lie. I'm, I'm <laughs> like my age kind of coming on me. I'm like, I don't know how to do it. But um, once you get the hang of it, it's it's really cool. Awesome. Well, thank you. That's a success tip for anyone listening in that is wondering whether or not they should do it. So anything else you want to share? I think we we really covered your mission and how you ended up here, but is there any, oh, I do have some rapid fire questions if you want to play that game. Let's do it. Okay. So if you could be on one reality show right now, what would it be? Oh my gosh. There's so many ones out that I have been watching now due to quarantine. I usually don't watch. <laughs> I, do, I don't know if I'd want to be on any of them though. They're, they're not, they're not they're not ones that I would be cool enough to be on. One that I'm currently watching, a reality TV show, like Little Women of Atlanta. I love, I love that one. There's, what are some other ones that I'm watching? Oh, they're so bad. I don't even want to name. 90 Day Fiance. I, I don't want to be on these, but like, but they're really, really interesting. So I, I, I don't want to be on them, but those are the ones that I'm watching. Okay. I've watched the 90 Day Fiance and I think it is a, a wild show. So I'd have to agree with you there. If you could be in any band, what would it be? And what like instrument singer, who would you be in the band? Yeah. Band, band, band. Most of the singers that I listen to like aren't bands. Like, but if I could just be like in the Rihanna or like the Beyonce bands of the world, if I could just like be in their tribe of like dancers or singers, like I would do that. Like I would, I would just be a part of anything Rihanna or Beyonce are doing. Oh my gosh. That's one of my favorite memes is the meme where Beyonce, it, it says you have the same 24 hours in a day that Beyonce does that, that woman can rock it out. So yeah, I don't, in, in many don't ways, know. how does she do it? I don't know, but she would be a good tribe to be a part of for sure. Yeah. the okay. Yes. If you could have dinner with three people, who would it be and why? Rihanna, 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 Rihanna. I'm, that is like my she is so inspiring to me because she has gone through a lot from a young age and has pivoted and is crushing it in the beauty industry right now. And not only crushing in the beauty industry, but also being inclusive to just so many. I mean, from her lingerie line to including men in it, to her skincare line and including men in it, and also so many different shades for women who have never been able to find the correct shade. Even myself, I, I used to mix like different different colors to just find my exact shade that would give me kind of that glow. Now I don't have to do that with, you know, Fenty. I would say Rihanna, like I would love to just pick her brain and she's so fearless. Like she's really a bad girl, I think now, but in a, in a business way, um, <laughs> Oprah, Oprah, Oprah. I love Oprah. Just like, how do you do it again? Another one of those people. And then um, lastly, I think 
I've been doing a lot of research around Brene Brown and reading a lot of her books. And she is very mindful around mental health and what it's like. And let's be honest, as you're an entrepreneur, really just a woman in, in today's age, like mental health is really, really important. And so those would be like the three. I think they would encompass everything like Rihanna, Brene Brown and Oprah. The, I think that'd be a good trio. Yes, that would be a great dinner party for sure. Brene Brown has a great, I don't know what you want to call it, Netflix. If you haven't seen yeah. it yet, it's good. No, I need to I need to look at that. There's I've been watching all the bad stuff I told you. <laughs> I'm there you go. While I'm working. Like but I, I would like to set some time to be present in front of a really, really great documentary. And it's not that long. It's her on stage for like an hour, but it, I, you laugh a little bit, you cry a little bit. She's very, very relatable. So I think if you're into her teachings right now, you'd love it. I definitely have to tune in. Ashley, it's been so much fun talking to you. What is your, give your social platform. So not only, I mean, I know they have your website, yeah. but how else can people find you? So they can find the Stay Beautiful Foundation at Stay Beautiful Foundation on Instagram and Facebook. We're not too big on Twitter. We like to like post a lot of faces and a lot of, you know, beautiful things. So we're, we're not too big on Twitter, but also YouTube. You can follow us as well at the Stay Beautiful Foundation. And then my own personal one is at Ashley Marie C. So that's Ashley Marie and then the letter C. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being here today. If I can ever support your mission in any way, shape or form, please reach out. Thank you so much, Lori. Take care, Ashley. Thanks for joining me for today's episode of the beauty biz show. If you enjoyed the show and you would take the time to leave a kind review over on iTunes, that is very much appreciated. And if you find you are left craving more beauty biz inspiration and success tools, then you're going to want to head over to beautybizclub.com, which is the premier online success Academy where talented practitioners go to maximize their potential and to become booked perfectly. Again, that is beautybizclub.com. And it would be my pleasure and my honor to help you tap into your highest potential in the beauty industry. 